This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Church Minneapolis. Uh, today is January 31st, I believe, 2021. Uh, it's a long, I feel like it's a long January. I was talking to Amanda before we started recording and I was like, you know, I really hate January. I hate January because it's such a long month and here in Minnesota, uh, it's our uh, cloudiest month that, uh, that we have and I want to uh, you know, people in the Pacific Northwest, like, you know, Jay and Caleb who are out there with Revolution out there in Seattle, they probably can attest that it's really cloudy. But here, um, it's very, 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 very cloudy. Um, and people who watch, who are from here in the Twin Cities can attest that it is uh, pretty pretty overcast the month of January. And as I'm saying that, the sun is trying to come out. Um you know, that's that song that just popped in my head. The sun will come out tomorrow. Better bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. Anyway, I forget uh, I forget who sings that. I don't know why that just came into my head. Anyway, enough of that. Um, before I jump in, you know, kind of as what I always do is uh, talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we've been doing. You know, just maybe, re- maybe recommendations, maybe... Um, Things if, you know, you want to watch stuff. If anybody listens to our podcast, Sacred Collective, they know that we do this. And I, I do it just because, you know what, sometimes, like when I'm at work, my bosses and I and our coworkers will be like, hey, what did you do this week? And do I watch this? Or we did this. And sometimes it's just kind of fun to, um, oh, yeah, thank you. I'm not sure. I think maybe it's Shirley Temple. I thought it was. I don't know who it was. Anyway, um, that being said, one th- a movie that a man and I watched yesterday. Uh, we have HBO Max. That was kind of like our little treat that we bought ourselves um, for Christmas with some of our stimulus money. Oh, Annie. Amanda came in and said it was Annie. Yes, it was Annie um, that sang Will the Sun, Will the Sun Come Out Tomorrow. Now we, uh, we have HBO Max, and I love HBO Max because anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big DC comic fan. I do like Marvel. And yes, Marvel makes better TV shows and movies, but I'm a huge DC fan, and Warner Brothers has a thing with HBO Max that all like their movies, their content, all that stuff is is coming out or is on HBO. Anyway, so I got it because of all the Batman movies are on there, all their TV shows. Um, DC had a streaming service for a hot minute, and they kind of collapsed and sold all their stuff to, to HBO Max. So I got it mostly for that. However, Warner Brothers has all their um, movies that were supposed to come out in the theater um, streaming on HBO. So like Wonder Woman and like I'm a huge Godzilla and Kong fan and their movie Godzilla vs. Kong that comes out in March is coming out. So 
However, the movie we watched last night is The Little Things, which uh, star, stars Denzel Washington, um, Jared Leto. If you know who Jared Leto was, he played the Joker in the Suicide Squad movie and Dallas Buyers Club, just phenomenal actor. And then Rami Malek, who won an Academy Award for playing Freddie Mercury in the, in, uh, the Queen video. Um, it's a fantastic movie. I'm not going to give it away. Um, it might be in some theaters because how they do it is they they put it out in theaters and then they also put it out streaming. Um, but just if you like a good kind of neo-noir, like kind of old school um, crime thriller, like whodunit, it's a really it's a really good film. I enjoyed it tremendously. Um, I'm not going to give it four to four stars. I would give it like maybe three stars because the acting's really good. Plot could have been a little bit better. But I was reading a um, somebody was giving a pointer on the movie, and they're like, "If you want to know a good ma- or acting masterclass, watch that. Watch that movie because those three those three um, actors are phenomenal." I'm going to move my microphone so I can. So when this comes out online or on uh, the podcast feed, people can actually hear me. So I'm not so far away. So there was that, and then. Um, if anybody has Netflix, I'm sure most of us do have Netflix, watch the show uh, Lupin. Uh, it's actually French, uh, so, so they would pronounce it Lupin. But it's it's a French show, uh, but there's English dubbed. So, you I mean, you can read the subtitles, but it's a pretty good dub. And it's actually uh, based off of a series of little like novellas that came out in the early 1900s about a guy named Arsène Lupin. And it is just phenomenal. The first season is five episodes. Season two is dropping in the summer. And it's, it's another one of those kind of caper whodunit. Um, a man wears kind of like many masks in, in, a, in a way. If anybody's seen the movie The Saint um, with Val Kilmer back in the 90s, it's kind of reminiscent of that. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a big, you know, movie, TV, music fan. So, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, before I started, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to um, talk about that because it's really cool. And you know what, now it's sunny. So uh, every time I say that it's cloudy, I think that's just nature's way of saying, ha, you say it's cloudy, now it's going to be, now it's not going to be cloudy. Um, So anybody who's watching, just let me know if my face is a little bit too bright. I can kind of tell, you know, on my camera now that, my face is a little bright on my my right side, so uh, if it's cool, we won't worry about it. If it's not, look at that the sun the sun's out. When I was I I had to sing that song by Annie, and now when I did that, it was nature's way of of laughing at me that the sun's out. But if anybody can see see me and and it's going well, um, uh, or like yeah. Anyway, we can always close blinds. We can turn on the ring light if we need to um anyway yeah so enough of that okay um and i just want to say thanks to uh everyone watching live people who are listening later uh we got a lot of watches on our last video which i'm super super excited about i know it's not all about uh the likes or the watches but um just thank you from the bottom of my heart for you know this is this Revolution Church Minneapolis is in our infancy. Um, you know, I've only been doing this around three months, and every week we're um, getting more and more video or more and more likes on our videos. 
and you know word of mouth things like that so i know i appreciate it amanda appreciates it everyone who's involved in revolution church minneapolis we really really appreciate um all all that um all everyone who's watching and and promoting us and networking it's it's a fantastic thing um enough with all the recommendations and things like that um if anybody who's watching us every week knows that we're kind of in this um theme of going over the gospel of matthew and and seeing um what matthew has to say to us and as i've said before so i won't you know talk about it in in length but some a lot of us who are raised in the church or who had some sort of faith background you know told to read the bible go to church all that stuff you you read the bible you might read it in sections you might read the whole thing um and i've I, as someone who's been in college and seminary i was in there for a long time i've read through the bible many times and i don't know why but when i was kind of coming up with this theme or the series in matthew um i just started reading it in a different light you know and like I've said before, you can read a book or read like a series like I was saying before. I think I read Harry Potter when all the books came out, seen all the movies. But then when you go back and rewatch the movies or reread the books, certain things jump out to you in a different way. Uh, this character might jump out to you more or, or this theme in, in, in the book might jump out to you in a different way. And as I was coming up with the not just this sermon today but coming up with them in the last couple weeks just this love of matthew has has kind of bubbled up in a way that it hasn't before and i just thought it was really cool really intriguing to kind of just go with that and and a lot of you know too that i mean i don't i don't think the bible's inerrant or infallible which inerrant means the bible's without error infallible was like you know it's probably God inspired, but not everything in there is perfect. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I think the Bible's authoritative; that it has authority because we allow it to have authority in our life, and we can take the themes and 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 uh, the the I don't know the the good things out of it and do that. So I'll talk a little bit about that in the sermon today. But as I talked about last week, I talked a little bit about Zacchaeus. I talked a little bit about. Um, just the background of Matthew a little bit. And as I said, Matthew, I think, is 25 or 26 chapters long, and I'm not going to jump through, or I'm not going to go, like, you know, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but I'm going to kind of jump a little bit, because I think last week we were in, I think, uh, Matthew 7, and today we're in Matthew 9. And it's in the portion, um, it's called uh, Jesus Calls Matthew, but I kind of labeled it um, fully accepted, this talk fully accepted. Because as, as a, I think this story is about Matthew, but I don't think it's solely about Matthew, that we could uh, put ourselves into this or we could put a, you know, someone we might know into it. So fully accepted. So I'm going to read, instead of going verse by verse, I'm just going to go read the, this little section um, through, and then we're going to kind of go through and, and break down at uh, what this can mean for us. So Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, 
Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what, it, what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." And you might be thinking, like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I've heard that portion of Scripture before. You, you know, what are you trying to mean, Brian, with this? What, like, how is this impactful uh, in my life or whatever? There's a there's a lot to unpack in just those three or four verses that I read. And that's one thing I think so many times uh, we as Christians or people who maybe aren't aren't, you know, of the Christian faith, but we can look in here and just see – reading that that uh, portion of Scripture, how subversive Jesus really is. And that's a theme. If you can take a theme of what I'm trying to say in Matthew is just how Jesus is super uh, subversive and, and, and how Jesus, uh, how he does things and how here's the rules of the day. Here are the rules of the Romans. Here are the rules of the Jewish people and how Jesus kind of comes in and is like, hey, you know what? Like we this is this is how it's done and this is the rules this is the law i know the law because they're saying that they're worshiping god i am god but i'm saying like he, like if here's if my hand here's the law and everyone has to do this it's like jesus in a way kind of goes under and subverts it and with with people knowing and then at the same time doing it in a way that people don't know it the first thing I wanted to talk about, uh, kind of with the point with it, is um, Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and Jesus said, follow me. Now, I've said before, uh, being a tax collector, which I'll say in a couple minutes, going a little bit in depth of how scuzzy and nasty and just pitiful tax collectors were in in the New Testament, but he, people all around that time, all around Israel, whether it was in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, other small towns and villages. People knew when Jesus started his ministry, people knew who Jesus was. They might not have believed him as like the Messiah, as Christians believe, but they knew he was some prophet. They knew he was a holy person. They knew he was this itinerant Jew who's going around, you know, spousing off all these uh, religious things. So it had, it, 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 people knew who Jesus was. It wasn't like, who is this weirdo walking down the street? People knew who who Jesus was. Um, and we have to realize, I mean, Jesus started his ministry at 30 years old and was killed at 33. So the stories we have mostly of Jesus is doing his ministry, do whatever his ministry was. And we don't have really pretty much after his, the infancy birth narrative, we have a little pieces here and there of what Jesus was doing but not as much. So I think the Bible is really specific at at uh, focusing on these three years of Jesus's ministry. Anyway, so Matthew was sitting in this tax booth. I don't know if we could, you know, imagine if we had that today. Maybe maybe there's places in other parts of the world they have a tax person like in a booth. But just imagine, like I can imagine. Um, the Minnesota State Fair, for instance, they have booths for your tickets, pretty big booths where two or three people are sitting in there. 
you know, taking your tickets, you know, scanning it so you can get inside. I can imagine it's something like that where it's here's Matthew sitting in there and maybe before you come into the town that day or maybe before you leave to to go out of the city into like your house or your farming community that here's Matthew just sitting there, you know, saying, you know, kind of being like, give me your money, give me your money, give me your money. This is what you're taxed. Because they knew everyone, you know, if you go back to Matthew, or not to Matthew, but to the birth narrative, when Joseph and Mary were going, like when the Romans were like, you know, we need to know where everyone lives, we need to know how many people are in the family, they did that on purpose. They did that so they knew where people lived so they can tax you accordingly. No different than what they do today. They want to know that Amanda and I are married, they want to know how many kids we have just so, uh, and what we do for a job so they can tax us accordingly. Um, I'm not saying taxes are bad because taxes are great, but back in the biblical times, uh, it was the Romans taxed people at, at an astronomical rate, um, and it wasn't for like, oh, let's build better roads or let's build better education. It was for them to to get rich. So here you have this tax collector. You have Matthew, this tax collector, sitting there, and this Jesus person walks up. This holy person walks up. And it says, follow me. Now, whether I, if I was Matthew, if you put yourself in Matthew, Matthew's shoes, that's quite, of a, quite an intense thing if you think about it. Here you are just minding your own business, doing your job, trying to make money to, to live and, and however you live. And here Jesus comes up to you and is like, hey, follow me. I don't know about you, but I would have all these different kinds of emotions and thoughts going through my head. Part of me would be like, who who the heck is this guy telling me that I have to get up from my job and do whatever? That would be no different than me being at my job, me seeing Jesus. I'm minding my own business, doing my job, and he looks at me. He's like, Brian, come follow me. And like I said, everyone knew who Jesus was. So there was probably that part of like, oh, wait, he, this guy's singling me out. Like, how cool is that? Like, he's singling me out. But then the other part is like, who the hell is this guy that who wants to take me away from my you know money, my hard-earned money to say, follow me? So when we read these, when I read scripture and I read stuff like this, like follow me, most of us read it like, oh, okay, Jesus said follow me. And so these people just got up to do it. But we have to put in context and perspective just how crazy of, of an ask that is of here's Jesus coming in and saying, follow me, and then we're just, in our brains, it's like, okay, well, why not? It's Jesus. Well, we're thinking that because we're Christians. We're thinking that because we've read these stories and these narratives for years. But it's really an intense ask. It, it, like when Jesus is like, here, follow me, drop everything, because that's when Jesus said, like, follow me. He wasn't just like, okay, follow me for five, ten minutes. He's literally like, when he tells someone to follow me, he's literally making an ask of, Drop everything that you're doing, everything in your life, and follow me. Pick like drop everything, follow me. This is the way. So when you're listening to the rest of it, just just feel this this kind of emotional uh, pull in your own heart. Like if you were in Matthew's shoes, how would that feel? How how would you react? How would how how would that look? And another part I thought was really cool is um, going on there, and and so and it says. And he rose, so and he means Matthew, rose up and followed him. So obviously he did that. He got up, he followed Jesus. 
And it says, And Jesus reclined at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. I don't know whose house he was at. Maybe Matthew's, maybe someone else's. I don't think it really matters. But one thing I want to bring up is anybody who's had any kind of biblical training or just in college speech, um, public speaking, whatever, they will tell you this. When you read a book, when you see, uh, uh, when you hear a song, when you watch a movie, if there's a word or a thought that is repeated, um, that is repeated a lot in a, in a short amount of time, that's the author's intent. They're, they're wanting you to, they're, they're saying that for a reason. So if you hear uh, like the word reclining, they, they put that word in that short verse, I think twice. And you might be like, well, what, you, what is your point, Brian, with reclining? My point is the author of this section of Matthew is wanting us to realize that when Jesus came to this house, he wasn't stern. He wasn't like, sit down. I'm going to say this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this. And you guys are going to listen. Kind of like when we go to a, if any of us have been to high school or college or whatever, or in a meeting, it's always like, okay, I'm going to sit down here. I have to have my thinking cap on. I have to be really intense. I can't talk. I can't whatever. It's just like, I'm here. This is a very serious thing. But when it says, and they all reclined, when Jesus reclined, and when the, uh, and the disciples were there too, so it wasn't just Jesus, the disciples were there as well, and then all these, what it says, tax collectors and other sinners. And I'm sitting straight up right now, or as straight as I can, but when you think of like reclining, like whether you're in like a reclining chair, or you, like right now I'm just kind of reclining back, you think of reclining as a way of kicking back, relaxing, um, taking it easy. And that's exactly what they were doing. And when I was coming up with this talk, this reclining word just popped up in my head and I kind of smiled. I said, here we have, as people who believe in Jesus as the Messiah, people who believe in Jesus as, as God. I know not all of us agree with that and that's fine. And that's, you know, we love everybody who's part of revolution, whether you're a person of faith or not. But what I think is so cool is when I remember growing up in the denomination that I grew up, you always heard of Jesus as this, yes, he did miracles, yes, he taught, yes, he preached, he raised people from the dead, and he paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. I always thought of Jesus more as a strict disciplinarian, this, this uh, you know, Jesus, when you did something bad, when you quote-unquote sinned, like Jesus, he, you know, he was kind of like up in heaven or wherever, or like out in the world, kind of just with his arms crossed and be like, hmm, I still love you, but I'm really, really angry at you for doing whatever you did. But when he was sitting there just reclining with, and everyone was just kind of there chill, you know, just like reclining. We don't know if they had some wine. We don't know if they had some bread or fish or figs, whatever they were have. But just, just think of when you're hanging out with family or friends and you're just kind of like reclining. I think of like, when I'm with my, my neighbor or friends and I'm just like, we're just chilling out on, on the couch watching some TV or a movie and having a beer or something, and we're just reclining. And so the, the author and intent wanted us to look at and be like, Jesus was just chilling. Je- Jesus was just hanging out, having a good time with not just his disciples, but with these quote-unquote sinners, with these quote-unquote vile, terrible human beings. 
And you can see, as I said, how subversive that is. Because Jesus knew in Jesus' knowledge that by doing this, not just with his disciples, but by calling Matthew, by going to, by going to uh, more or less, we're probably supposed to think that it was Matthew's house, that he just went in there and was like, I'm chilling, I'm hanging out with you, I'm having a good time. That is huge. And, and everyone who's listening, whether live or when this goes up on, uh, um, later on on Facebook or even on the podcast, it's a tremendous thing when we, we look at, here was Jesus, knew all the laws, knew all the rules, you know, knew what the Pharisees were going to say, knew what the Romans were going to say, and he does it anyway. He, this, this subversiveness, he, he goes to Matthew's house, and he's just chilling with them. And like as I said last week, and there's other parts too of Zacchaeus, he did the same thing with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, he was, probably had higher, uh, higher prestige than even Matthew. Zacchaeus was a really well-known tax collector. And Zacchaeus, as we know, went up to the top of the sycamore tree. And just think of like uh, a famous person that you might like or know. And there's always a, you know this plethora of people following them, taking pictures, asking them questions or whatever. Just think about, you know, I can just think about the inauguration a few weeks back with President Biden, how all these cameramen here and these newscasters were here and whatever. And it'd be no different if this person was like standing up on this platform somewhere and it would be like Joe Biden. I'm not saying Joe Biden is Jesus, but just as this metaphor will hold. And like Joe Biden looking at all these people and then him just looking at the Zacchaeus character and was like, hey, you know what? Come down because I'm going to go to your house tonight and we're going to have food. We're going to hang out. We're going to just talk. People all over the media would be like, what in the world? Who is this Zacchaeus guy? Why is President Biden doing this? This is crazy. This is stupid. This doesn't make any sense. And that's exactly the point. It doesn't make sense. It, 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 Jesus' love, his acceptance doesn't make sense. That's the whole point. It doesn't make sense, but that's why, that is why the, the philosophy and the teachings of Jesus is so amazing because it doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, but to Jesus and his philosophy and his ethic, it makes complete sense. So I th- just keep that in mind. Follow me, gets up, does that, and then he goes to Matthew's house not firm, not proper, but they're just there hanging out, having a good time, talking, whatever that may be. Obviously, it's probably Jesus talking to him about, hey, don't be a tax collector, stop doing this, but uh, just calling him, kind of, kind of in a nice way, rebuking him, not him as a person, but re- rebuking his what he's doing as a tax collector. So kind of going on further... Um, they were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Um, I'm going to say this a little bit longer or later, but I'm not a big fan of the word sinner because I know growing up in the tradition that I did, hearing pastors, missionaries, they always like, oh, you're a sinner. Or there's that, that I think it's uh, John Wesley said, uh, uh, we're all sinners in the hands of an angry God. Uh, I don't like that language. People, you know, people might be like, "Oh, you're splitting hairs." But literally, guys, what the word sin literally is translated to is missing the mark. That I mean, if I'm not mistaken, that's literally the the Greek interpretation of sin or sinner is missing the mark. And all of us, I don't care whether we're religious people, people of faith or not, when you look at sin, it just means missing the mark. You're missing the mark of 
whatever that is. So if you're if if the mark is we're supposed to mimic Jesus, when we don't mimic Jesus and we don't do his teachings, his ethic, his morality, then we're missing the mark. Yeah, you could say we're sinners, but I, I like the interpretation of trying to get back to the to the nitty gritty of actually what it really means. And like I said, sinner literally is translated into missing the mark. So he was hanging out with people who quote unquote were missing the mark. I'm going to go a little bit before I jump in and, and what tax collector, just how vile it is. We might look and be like, Brian, why, why are you saying tax collecting is so bad? It's a normal thing that people have done for millennia. And it's true. But the reason, and like I've said, tax collectors and prostitutes were probably the two lowliest uh, jobs to have. And actually, in a lot of the research that I've done, prostitution which was the act of selling yourself for sexual gratification for someone else, uh, selling your body, the thing that we have complete autonomous control over, was selling, selling that for money. Tax collecting was worse than that. Let that sink in. Tax collecting was actually worse than prostitution. And we look at our society today, prostitution is the oldest profession in the world, whether, and that's not up for debate. It is, it's just is. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But tax collecting, the taking of money from people, was even worse than prostitution. Uh, the tax collectors were reviled by the Jews of Jesus' day because their perceived greed and collaboration with Rome. Tax collectors amassed personal wealth by demanding tax payments in excess of what Rome asked. The tax collectors kept the difference. So, when we look at just that, that is why people did not like Matthew. That is why people didn't like Zacchaeus. Because most likely these were Jewish men who, for and yeah, they did it because they're like, hey, it's get rich quick. So, Rome had a tax that they levied on everyone, kind of like they probably, people tax, you know, how we get taxed now. And yes, in America, we're taxed in certain brackets, like you make this amount of money, and below, you're taxed this amount of money. You make this amount of money, and the higher you go up, the higher you get taxed. That's how it's supposed to be. And I don't. there's a lot of interpretation of like how many people paid what for taxes. But the Jewish people were angry because here is specifically Matthew, and in other parts of Matthew, we see Zacchaeus. Here were these rich Jewish, or these Jewish men who, first of all, sold out their people. They sold out the Jewish people. They're working for the enemy. They're working for Rome. And so let's say Rome was like 15% of your paycheck or 15% of what's yours is, is now ours. So let's just say they did that specific thing. Let's just say Matthew and, and uh, Zacchaeus as tax collectors just said that. They were like, this is what Rome is saying. We need to collect 15% of all your monetary stuff. And so, okay, bam. But what they did on top of that let's say they put another 5 or 7% on there. So instead of 15%, let's say it's 20% or 21%. They wouldn't tell Rome that they did that, but let's say in, in money, let's say uh, 15% is $1,000. Let's say, okay, Matthew took $1,000 for Rome, and then he was like, well, no one's really going to know as long as I bring this $1,000 back from this person or from this family. Who cares if I take another $200 or, take, or, or tax that? And so they taxed them this other five or six percent, which maybe be two, three hundred dollars. 
and then they would pocket that. That is why people hated the tax collectors because they were stealing. It, it was it was like legalized sanctioned stealing. They were stealing money from the from the lower people. Um, and it's not a mistake when you research all this stuff. How people like Zacchaeus and Matthew they they were living the life of luxury. Just think about you know I we live in a two bedroom apartment. If I was a tax collector back then, I might have been able to take money over the time and and uh, buy a really nice house. Maybe have servants. May maybe have cattle. Maybe do all this stuff to make more money. But I was taking that money from the poor in order for myself to get rich. So you can see this and, and how it and, and that's why tax collecting was so hated and reviled because it affected everyone where prostitution people looked on it for the sexual way but it was really just between that person and let's say that that john as we, we say now um it was between those two people where tax collecting it was this person going over everyone giving that money to rome pocketing a couple you know hundred dollars or in essence more it's just so that they could live this life so that is why tax collecting was so hated, so reviled. So, and, and I think that's a strong word, revile. Like when something reviles you, I mean, it's, it's just think about that, that emotion. When I think of revile, it's like that anger, that just frustration, that, that hate that you have. This is, this is how people looked at Matthew. This is how people looked at Zacchaeus. They just were angry. They were like, how, how dare you do this? How dare you call yourself a Jew? And how dare you do this to our people, to your people? But yet they did that away because then they were like, this is my job. And just look how awesome, going back to the beginning of what I was saying, Jesus went to these individuals and said, hey, stop what you're doing, follow me. And they set down their stuff and they followed him. There's that subversiveness. Jesus, Jesus going in and being like, I don't care what you did, who you are, when I call you, I'm, you know, that's it. That's it. That's what you're going to do. Um, kind of going on more. And it says, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? As I said, Pharisees were the super righteous, the super, super religious people of the time. Uh, I look I look at a Pharisee uh, uh, now in our kind of common understanding as the super uh, religious fundies. You know, people who are like, oh, I go to church, I know the Bible, I know everything, I, I keep the Sabbath, I, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I, I've never, you know, swore in my life, I've never done, whatever. And I look at that as the Pharisees of, of kind of being, well, like, look at, like, we we know the law. We know the, you know, we know the Torah, which is what the Jews looked at as their holy work, the, which is the Old Testament. Um, so here, here's what we said. Like, they're looking at, like, this is who God is. This is who God is. This person, Jesus, is coming and saying, no, well, I am that God. I am that Messiah. And these Pharisees, mind you, they didn't go to Jesus. They, and for whatever reason, we don't know, they didn't go to Jesus, but they went to the disciples, the disciples who were with Jesus, and they were like, "What? What kind of like? What gives, guys? Why is your, why is your uh, holy person? Why is this quote unquote Messiah eating 
with these sinners, eating with these tax collectors. Maybe there was prostitutes there. Maybe there was other people there who the Pharisees looked at as just sinners, as as bad people, who whatever they were. And then the disciples say this. But when he heard it, actually, it wasn't even going back. It wasn't that he. So the Pharisees asked the disciples the question. So just think if you're in like your house, a room, wherever, and you're just chilling, hanging out, like like just looking at this scene. Jesus is here hanging out with Matthew, talking with him and all these other people. The Pharisees come in your front door. They start asking the disciples, like, hey, why is this Jesus guy hanging out with them? And then almost like Jesus just kind of pipes up and is like looks around and says this. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. So one thing I love about Jesus he always asks questions. He's never, like if someone, a Pharisee, even when he was going to get crucified, if you believe in the crucifixion, when Pontius Pilate, when all these Roman officials were asking Jesus, are you the Messiah? And it's like, who, who do you say that I am? Or he, he'll ask questions. He'll never fully come out and just say, yeah, I'm Jesus, cool. Like, duh. He'll, he'll, he'll always turn it. And that is such a subversive idea, everyone. Like he he just turns it and he's like, I and he uses this mental or, or this metaphor of of like a hospital or a clinic. Like we don't go to the clinic, we don't go to the doctor if we're fine. If we know we have a clean bill of health, everything's fine. I'm not going to wake up and look at my wife and say, "Amanda, I think I need to go to the doctor today." Well, why? Well, I just I just need to go. Well, why? And it's different if you get like your yearly physical or something like that. And that's Jesus's whole point, like. People people don't follow me if they're perfect. People don't follow me if they have everything right going on. People don't, I don't want perfect people. I don't want, quote unquote, healthy people. I want the sick. I want the people who are needy. I want the people who actually are on the, you know, it, when we look at it is they're at the bottom looking up. Because the Pharisees, look at the Pharisees, they were up there. They were the elite. They had everything. They had money. They had prestige. They had houses that you couldn't imagine where people were living in squalor. And Jesus looks at these sinners, these tax collectors, and are like, you're broken. You're, you're, you're broken. You know in, in the bottom of your heart and, and who you are that this is what you're doing isn't right. And he doesn't damn them. He doesn't say, oh, how dare you? You know, and I always look and when people are like, oh, well, I need to call someone out if they're living a destructive lifestyle. And I'm like, yeah, you could do that. Or you can reflect at your own, in your own heart and say, before I go and say this person should stop drinking or, or I should go to this person and say they should stop sleeping around. Maybe, and the scripture is very clear on this, maybe they're saying, maybe you should take them this story right here and say, how can I reflect in my own life and look at the junk and the shit that's in my own life and make myself right? And then maybe, just maybe, you might look at that other person and is like, maybe you could go to them in a loving way and say, hey, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't go out and get drunk every night. You know, maybe, and that's a kind thing to say, but you shouldn't go up to them and be like, hey, you know what? You said that you're a Christian or you say that you go to church and blah, 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 blah. 
I think it's exact, you know, absolutely wrong and terrible that you're going to the bar and, and drinking. That's a wrong way to do it, everyone. There's, there's a way to go to someone in a loving way, but that's why the Bible is very clear to say what Jesus says is, disciples say this, Paul will say it, is like, don't look at other people and judge them because they're going to turn around and judge you 10 times as hard. And that is why I feel like so many people hate the church and there's trauma and there's all that, which is something I could talk about for weeks on weeks on end. And I want to just tell, and what I labeled this talk is fully accepted. And I want everyone to know that before we leave, that no matter who you are, where you are in your journey in life, whether you're a Christian or not, you are fully accepted. We, we all miss the mark. We're an all not perfect people. But Jesus doesn't want perfect people. He wants people who are willing to drop their stuff, whatever that stuff is. And I don't think Jesus is saying, okay, Brian, quit your job at McAllister where you work and then just follow me. No, because I'm already a believer in Jesus. But he's going to these people who are saying, I have everything, I have all these riches, I have a good life. But he's looking at them and he's like, I know you're spiritually empty. I know you're, there's nothing left in the tank. And I'm going to come to you and say, follow me. And so he's it's just this... I get so excited reading this because it's just this, in a way, Scripture comes alive. And sometimes we don't hear this at church because, you know, the, ch- the church that I was a part of for a long time, the UCC, which I still love the UCC, uh, the sermons are 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and it's like the tickle your ears, and then when we do all the prayers and the whatever. And in the Pentecostal tradition that I was raised, it was like, okay, we have worship, we have this, we have that. The sermon might be 30 minutes, but it's usually someone yelling at you. And then at the end, but when you sit down and we can just unpack this, unpack it at a deeper level, you just find out how, how amazing these, these teachings are, how, how, and 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 that's why I tell people, I might not like the church. I might have issues with the church, the whole idea behind what church is. And I say, I can have issues with that. I might not like going to church. I know this is Revolution Church Minneapolis, but what I want people who, who follow us or, or who look at this, this I don't like calling Revolution Church even church. It's a, it's a spiritual community. It's, it's a gathering of like-minded people. Or I want just people to, to, to look at Scripture and, and life in a different way. Because I tell people, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. We made it as humans. We made it into a religion. Jesus came to teach this ethic, this philosophy, this morality is you want to be with me. You want to follow my teachings. I'm, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you these words. It's not an exhaustive book. It's not an exhaustive thing, but you want to learn how to follow my teachings. I'm giving you this guidebook to, to do that. Uh, and Jesus for, further on goes, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And that's exactly what I had just said. It was kind of that repetition. It says that a couple of times in these brief four or five verses that I read. It's Jesus, is, he's just saying, I did not come for healthy people. I did not come for people who have it all together. And I think I said before last week, or if not, my grandma and I would get into crazy intense uh, theological conversations, and she passed a number of years ago. She was super conservative, and I think that was at the start of my my deconstruction. Um, 
And the one thing I miss about my grandma deeply to this day is just uh, she was sharp as a tack for her for her age. Even in like her upper eighties, early nineties, she would just be spouting off all these biblical verses. And so she's she as much as we had contentious back and forth conversations, she is one of my heroes to this day. Um, but I remember she would always be talking about like David or Paul or or like Daniel, all, David, all these people. And I would always go back to my grandma and say, yes, these are great, you know, behemoths in the faith. But I said, grandma, you forget to realize all of their backstory because we're not, we're not a human being when we become a Christian or when we decide to follow a certain faith. We are what makes us us is there's some total of who we are as a person. And I'm like, you look at David, the story of David. As a young man, he was part of the Israelites, and they went to the Philistines, and everyone was like, who is this Goliath dude? He took his little, like, whatever you call it, almost like a slingshot with a rock and, and knocked Goliath over. That same David became king of Israel. And what did he do? He had... He had, they said he was married, or they allude to that he was married. He, he had any kind of whores and concubines, and that, that people don't, are like, oh my gosh, that, that's not true. I'm like, well, whatever. He had a plethora of women at his disposal. And what did he do? He slept with Bathsheba. He saw her taking a bath up on the roof. He knew he was, he knew she was married or betrothed, knew that her husband was out on the front line fighting in the war. We know the story is he sends out, put her husband on the front line, so he dies, so he gets killed. So he covered up his missing the mark. Uh, him in the back of his head knowing that's not right. And then we see what happened to, to them. God sends the prophet, Nathan, or I think it's Nathan or Nathaniel there, so on and so forth. So I was like, Grandma, you forget to realize what what. David did, or you look at Paul. Paul, Paul. We and we, you know. I know people might be like, "Oh, Paul's an idiot. He's an asshole. He said all this stuff about women." Yeah, he's a flawed individual. But Paul, who was Saul before his conversion, do you know what Saul or Paul's job was? Paul's job was to take people who follow Jesus, who are Christians, and to murder them. Think about that. He murdered Christians. He murdered them, and. Saul, that's when he was Saul, was riding, you know, riding to Damascus. And you have that, if you believe in that story, that big bright light shone on it, shine down, there we go. And it was God saying, why are you doing this to my people? And it was like, at that point, it was like, oh. And it was like, his whole life has changed. So, and I always tell people, the Old Testament and even the New Testament are just trying to point to us to these teachings of Jesus. They're, that's literally what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, the Old Testament is like, you're talking about the Messiah, the Messiah is coming up, this Jesus character is coming up. Paul, Peter, the, the writers of these epistles, and, and even other parts in the Gospels are trying to say, you want to know who Jesus is? I'm, we're pointing you in these stories to the character, to the, to the morality, to this philosophy of Jesus. And that's why I always say, Jesus does not want perfect people. I know as myself, I know I'm, I'm an educated person. I know I went to college and seminary. I'm a pastor. I'm not perfect. I, I get short with my wife. I get, I get mad. I get angry. I get yell at my daughter. Uh, 
have I cheated on tests to, to pass a class? Yeah. Have I done things that I, I shouldn't have done? Do I lash out and get angry? Yeah, I haven't done some of these horrendous things that some of these characters in the Bible have done. But but that makes it come alive even more to me. I'm like, I didn't I haven't cheated on my wife, slept with another woman, and then got that person killed, been with my wife, has you know, have a family. I haven't done that. I haven't murdered people who when I wasn't a Christian and for, for being a Christian but I tell the people that is why the story of Jesus to me is so impactful, so amazing, so uh, all-encompassing because Jesus is going, he literally is going to people and say, I know who you are. I know what you've done, and I don't care. And you might be like, well, yeah, Jesus obviously does care, but we don't see that in Scripture. We, we don't say, he never goes to them and be like, look at what you've done, look at what you've done, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't demean them he doesn't damn them he doesn't look at them and and revile them like the pharisees do he looks at them and it was like hey just stop what you're doing whatever that is and just follow me because he knows in his head that these teachings his love his acceptance is going to shatter this wall around them this this cocoon of feelings that they have and that they're going to eventually be like hey you know what i think this jesus person is right I think I think what this, this this is literally what this kingdom's about, and I and I tell people I don't I don't know if there's a literal heaven I don't know if there's a hell I don't believe in hell, um, which is a conversation for another day. But I was like I honestly feel like Jesus's main main advice main teaching is if you want to be part of this kingdom if you want to be a Christian a follower of the way is what I would like to call it. Uh, because Christian is something we as humans later on, centuries after Jesus was, you know, out of the quote-unquote picture, is something that we entitled it. But a lot of times, Paul and other people after Jesus were like, we're, we're followers of the way, of this teaching, of, of the right way. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm passionate, if you can tell. Not passionate to be like, guys, you need to, you know, beat you over the head with this, but it just shows me because I have so many friends and family who, maybe not family, but so many friends who are like, ah, oh, church sucks. This pastor did this. The you know I got hurt here. And I, I want to say to everyone, I am sorry. I have church hurt. I have church trauma from instances that happened in my own life. And there was a time, a long time for many years that I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to deal with people who are Christians. And that's valid. That's valid. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what I, I want to get to people is like, you're not mad at Jesus. You're mad at the the religious bullshit, the, the BS that we see day in and day out. Because we have to realize, we have to realize that the church is made up of people. We're all in this together. We're trying to make it we're trying to make each other better. We're, and I mean, church is community. And when you're in community, you want to be around people who are like-minded like you. Well, yeah, and then there's nothing wrong. My, I want to be around friends who are like-minded like me. There's nothing wrong with that, who like the same things as me, like football, drinking beer, going and smoking a cigar out on the porch. I don't hang out with people who hate all that stuff. So the, the in essence, the church and the community, we're trying to do it well we're trying to do this together but we're human beings and we're flawed 
but I want to say Jesus, if Jesus can call, and if Jesus, and I will say this, if Jesus can fully accept people like David, people like Paul, if people can, if people can, uh, or if Jesus can call Matthew and Zacchaeus, who were the lowliest of the low, as I said, if I feel like I'm beating you guys over the head with it, but the worst, these people who were in, in, in Israel's ideology and the Jewish people, these were worse than prostitutes. If Jesus can chill with them, recline with them, and say, drop what you're doing and follow me, I think we can do the same. And I don't think that uh, you have to go to church in order for that to happen. Uh, I have here as a passive revolution, I'm part of Sacred Collective. Uh, I love, I tell people, if Amanda and I, on some Friday night or Tuesday night, after Ava goes to bed, sometimes we'll just sit and talk about God or talk about theology or talk about life. You know what? That's church. I, and I know it's corny to say, but, you know, the Bible does say wherever two or three are gathered, my presence is there. So I know a lot of people when they're like, oh, I don't go to church anymore. Church is this. Church is stupid. Church is dumb. I, re- I respect that, and I think God respects that. But I also tell people, you're still doing what quote-unquote church is. You don't, and we go to church because we want this pastor or this holy person, this priest or whoever, to tell us, hey, you know what, you're, you're doing pretty good. You're doing good in life. Or, hey, you know, we need to do better on this. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But at the same time, I know, because I, I know who I'm speaking to, some of you might be going to church. You might, you might be Lutherans. You might be Pentecostals or Baptists or Episcopalian or UCCers. That's fine. But I know a lot of people who listen are also done with church and are for whatever reason and i'm talking to you too is that's okay that's okay if you're done with quote-unquote church but please try not to be done with jesus because jesus is looking at all of us and is like hey you know what yeah you've missed the mark yeah you mess up in life but what's new who doesn't who who doesn't mess up who doesn't uh who doesn't have issues who who is perfect and as i said last week peter peter a disciple of jesus denied jesus three times you know jesus says before the rooster crows you will deny me three times and peter's like oh my gosh jesus why would you say that i would never do that come on i'm a follower of you i'm a follower of this way and jesus just was like you will you will and what happened peter denied him three times but what's so amazing out of that, what we know as quote-unquote the church was founded on Peter, which Peter means the rock. It's translated, that translation is the rock. So the rock of the church, the, the foundation of church for all these centuries later was founded on an individual who denied Jesus three times, right to Jesus' face, within distance of where Jesus was. Because Peter didn't want to die. Peter didn't want this or didn't want that. So I find it quite remarkable when we look at the teachings of Jesus, when we look and when you hear pastors or preachers say things of of like, oh, you know, this person's a sinner and this person is bad. And if we live this, you know, if we don't drink, we don't swear. I mean, there was that mentality growing up, like for, for me, what I was taught by youth pastors, I kid you not, it was don't drink, don't swear, don't have sex, or don't go with girls who do. And you could switch that whatever gender you are. 
And that was their mentality. Like, if you do these things, then you're going to be a good Christian boy or girl. And you know what? That Guys, that's, that's bull. That's just, that's baloney. That's stupid. We all, we all mess up. We all have issues. Um, but I'm just trying to finish my thought to try to bring it home. It, it's, it's one of those things, everyone, where if you go to church and you love church, you love that community, I'm not telling you to not go. Uh, go run run to it if that's if that's how you understand god and and great if you don't go to church if this is your church i'll i'll tell people i if this is your church i i love i love that you guys are here and i appreciate it and i want this to be your church i want this to be a community but i'll be the first person to say i'm not perfect i messed up we all know i I know that we're not perfect. A man is not perfect. Anyone who's a part of this isn't perfect. I want this. I'm not going to say it's a safe place uh, because it might not be a safe place for everyone. And part of part of digging into scripture, you might look and be like, oh, I, I don't know how I deal. You know, you might look at it in a different light and be like, oh, Brian, I don't like what you said about this. I don't like this or I don't like you this. Um, but at the same time, I I want to get at the end of this is and if I can bring this home, it's this. Each and every one of you who are listening live or you're listening when it's up on Facebook or you listen to it when it's up on the podcast, know from the bottom of my heart, know from these words in the Gospel of Matthew that you're fully accepted. This story of, of Jesus calling of calling um, Matthew is not just specifically to look at like oh Jesus called Matthew it's it's, it's a call to it's it's an understanding of Jesus of this story to say you know what all of us are accepted all of us are have checkered pasts all of us aren't perfect all of us have warts all of us have terrible things in our life that we've done are in the midst of or maybe will do but that doesn't matter to God because God Jesus literally looks at you and is like follow me follow me and life's not going to be easy it doesn't say this in that part of scripture but i'll say this life's not going to be easy if you follow jesus you might have times where you doubt that you don't even think god is real there's there might be times where uh you you haven't stepped foot in a church in 30 years or ever again and that's fine i just tell people people it's like jesus is being there like i'm waiting for you and I've said this before, and then this makes me fully vulnerable and transparent. But when my dad died, he died in a church where I was doing an internship at the time. And he's he's been gone long enough where I don't get worked up and emotional. I still miss him deeply. I think about him every day. But I remember like my mom, my brother, and I had the awesome um, opportunity to have a lot of family there. My brother, my mom. My dad, uh, before he passed, cousins, aunts and uncles, they were there supporting me, which is tremendous. But when I knew, when I knew that he, when I knew he died, when I knew that he wasn't here in this plane, um, people were, people were praying, people were quote unquote speaking in tongues, whatever that is. Uh, all this stuff was happening, and I just was so angry. I was so mad. I and I literally, I've said this ad nauseum to people i was cursing god under my under my breath f u g d this you know all this stuff i don't know what just happened 
Um, did just switch? Can you guys still see me? Hang on, everyone. There we go. Sorry. Sorry about that. The camera just switched um, a little bit. So sorry about that. No, but getting and that's the wonderful thing about technology is uh, is sometimes it has a mind of its own. But the last thing I'll say is I was so angry. I was so mad. And, and, and I was mad because my dad was gone. I was mad because I'm like, this happened at a church. Are you freaking kidding me? Like all this stuff was happening. But I just felt like even in my anger, even in my full amount of doubt, like, are you kidding me? Like, God, or why would you do this? All this stuff. I was this good Christian boy. I just felt like in the back of my head, I heard this. I don't know if it was God. I don't know. It was the spirit, whatever it was. But I just felt like I heard this voice in my head being like, you're, it's fine that you're mad. It's fine that you're angry. It's fine that you're mad. You're not going to be the only person that this happens to. You will not be the last. And I'm here. And that gives me chills when I say that. And some people, you might be like, I don't believe that. That's a bunch of horse crap. That's fine. You can believe that. You can honestly believe that. But I'm a firm believer that even in my even in my doubt, even in my frustration, even at the probably the lowest part I've been in in my life as a human, and at the time where I've I literally cursed Jesus out under my under my tongue, I still felt like God was like, "Hey, you know what? This is a low point in your life. This is a terrible thing that that happened. But here here I am. Here I am. Whenever you're ready, here. And that's and I want to say that too." wherever you're at in your life if you're like you know what i brian i just have too much hurt in my life i have too much trauma i don't want to go to church church has been nothing but hurtful to me i can i can see that and i've been through that and i'm not telling you you have to get over that grief and trauma are lifelong things that we deal with but i want you to know that if jesus says that these people in scripture are fully accepted that you're fully accepted as well no matter who you are what you've done in life, where you're going, and this portion of scripture where Jesus is calling you just hanging out with the tax collectors, these these worst of the worst people, just think about in our context here in America or wherever you're listening from, that these people are Jesus is hanging out with the worst of the worst. And he doesn't look at us as the worst of the worst, but this story will just show you Jesus doesn't care. Jesus straight up does not care what you've done what you're going to do he cares that hey you know what if i if i do talk to you if, if something in your life causes you to follow this teaching then follow it doesn't mean that you're going to be a perfect person but know that you're fully accepted in in everything in in, in who you are as a person i think i'm going to wrap up with that do we have any questions or thoughts i just talked for an hour that's crazy no questions, no thoughts. Your mom said it's sounding really good. Thank you, Mom, for it sounding good. And as I said before, and I know this is, it was a pretty uh, deep uh, conversation. I didn't mean to be, and, and I don't want it to sound like I was preachy, but seriously, this, this portion of Matthew just jumped out at me. Usually I wait till like Thursday or Friday to come up with my talk, but... This just kind of jumped out on like Tuesday. I had some downtime at night and I just, 
just just kind of came alive. This this portion of scripture just came alive, and I was trying to think what I should title it, and it was fully accepted because I'm like Jesus accepts me, who I am as a person. I don't have to to uh, act a certain way if I cuss a little bit or I drink a couple beers more than I should. It's not that God's like mm, Brian. Should you do that? I'm like no. I'm fully accepted. I'm fully accepted in in who I am, and and I'm trying to. Uh, be the best person that I am. You know, as I said, and I'll say this again, uh, what you put out into the world, I feel, is what you're going to get back. If you're going to be a loving person filled with kindness, filled with uh, hope and kindness and love for people, I feel like you're going to get that back. But if you, um, if you haven't, um, if you're going to be an angry, vile person like the Pharisees, that's how people are going to look at you. Um, we have a... Uh, comment thank you i haven't set foot in a church building for years and it really helps to be reminded of this message uh yes thanks kate for saying that um thanks for listening to and thanks for your comment and your your kind of vulnerability or your transparency with that um there's years years and years um actually when i was in seminary trying to be a pastor where i just didn't set foot in a church i listened to podcasts i like faith podcasts i listened to you know, Revolution, uh, when Jay was doing it back out in Atlanta and New York, um, read a lot of theology books, and that was church for me. And, you know, uh, church churches, if somebody saw on my own personal Instagram, I wrote, uh, like, we really need to come up with a new word for church because church is, church is kind of under the microscope, uh, kind of being dissected. Um, some people would look at this and be like, this isn't church, this isn't uh, uh what I normally think of as church. Well, yeah, but what is church? You know, that's, that was my question. What is church? Church is, church is where people are at. Church isn't a building. Church isn't, and that's the, I mean, what Jesus was doing in essence was church, and he was just chilling in people's houses and people's communities. He was chilling out on, you know, when he did the Sermon on the Mount, he was out on a hill on a grassy knoll and talking about this kingdom ethic. So church doesn't have to be, in the four walls of a building. It doesn't have to have a pulpit or a lectern or Sunday school classes or a kitchen. It doesn't have to do any of that. But as I said, you know, if we have any more, I'll talk for a brief minute or two. But at the end of the day, everyone, you're fully accepted. You are fully accepted no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through. And God gives you that grace, and we're expected to give it to others. I know sometimes these are easier said than done, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I can really say is you're fully accepted. I'm fully accepted. Amanda's fully accepted. All of you watching are fully accepted. You don't have to do spiritual gymnastics. You don't have to read your Bible every day. I don't know when the last time I just picked up my Bible besides coming up with sermons just to read it because I have issues with it and trauma, but you're fully accepted no matter who you are, whether you go to church or not, or call yourself a spiritual person. Know that at the end of the day, Jesus accepts you for who you are. Um, last thing I'll say before I, I, we log off for this week, um, if you like what we're doing, please spread the word, support us. Um, I'm not saying financially. If you do, that, that that's your prerogative. Uh, we all do this out of the, our own pocket. We haven't set something up, but if you're like, hey, Brian, how can I support Revolution? Um, 
you know, I can give you a dollar or five dollars, or we'll probably try to do something with like Venmo or PayPal. We have PayPal, um, but it just helps us because we do this all out of our own pocketbook, um, which can get kind of tight. I'm not asking for money. I'm just saying if you have, we're living in a pandemic world right now, but if you ever have spare change, five, ten bucks that you're like, hey, I, I want, I, this is a spiritual community that I want to support. We'll put it to good use, good work. Um, but the the biggest thing, um, like us, um, we love your continual support by watching us. Um, I was blown away and humbled and almost brought to tears by how many views we had uh, with our last talk last week. And that lets me know that what I'm doing, what Curtis, how he helps, Amanda, and other people who are a part of this community, it lets us know that this isn't just us, that this is helping other people. And that's the biggest thing. That, like, if, it, if this can help anyone uh, uh, just be a better person, that, that's, that's what we're all about. I'm not here to change someone's faith, faith mindset or anything like that. But spread the word, like our Instagram posts if you can, you know, share this to someone, either share it to your page or, um, or uh, just if you know someone who might like what we're doing at Revolution Church Minneapolis, just, just uh, let them know. So uh, I think next week we'll do our last part in Matthew and then I have some other things I want to talk about. So tune in next, next week, which we'll be turning the page to uh, February. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and I will be remiss to say uh, tune in to Revolution Church out there in Seattle. Uh, Jay and Caleb are doing great things, and I've, I always thank them for letting me to Revolution Church Minneapolis and kind of carrying on what we're doing here in Minnesota. But watch them when, they, they're, when they're live here in a few hours or find their videos online and podcasting too. And uh, much love to all you guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>